The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Bethany. And I'm Anthony Garcia. And this is the Garcia Diaries Unfiltered. In this day and age of filters and heavy editing, we believe in sharing the real and raw parts of marriage, parenthood, and real freaking life that often get filtered over. Every week, we share next level, real life confessions from our audience. You'll either feel seen, highly entertained, or maybe even both. Come hang with us and catch a new episode every Friday. Make sure to follow so you don't miss a single confession. Hey bestie, it's Cami Crawford. Relationships are hard and that's why I'm here. Think of me as your big sister slash audible BFF that you can always trust to give you the real tea. This is my show, Relationship, the advice podcast that covers all relationship topics, the good, the bad, and the straight up shitty. Need advice? Send your story to hello at relationshippod.com or DM me at relationship on IG and tune in every Friday for new episodes. Be sure to follow us and subscribe so you don't miss all the hot goss. And if you're loving the show, please leave us a review. Talk soon, bestie. Happy Friday, you guys. Welcome back to Relationship. Today's episode is featuring an entertainer, advocate, I mean, beautiful soul and just incredible energy. Peppermint, you probably know her from RuPaul's Drag Race Season 9. That's where I was first introduced to her. But she has been on the scene and making moves. And we're going to talk about it because she has an entire tour coming up that, like, I feel like we all have to see. Like, I feel like it was made for relationship listeners. Like, I feel like it was made for us. So we'll get to that. But today we are going to be talking all about how to advocate for your LGBTQIA plus brothers, sisters, friends, everything in between, family members, you know, the people who need you the most. How can you be the best advocate and then you know hopefully work your way towards allyship and creating a safe space for people who are part of these communities that we love so much and you know we want to be able to support so today we're going to be talking about all kinds of different things and you know if you're not well versed on any of these topics that's cool too like this is still a space for you because it's all about education and it's all about learning and we are listening and learning what all the motherfucking time whether it's pride or whether it's not, there is always time, space, and opportunity to learn some new things and have some new tools in our toolbox, especially with the way that the world is going right now, the way that these governments, local, state, have been trying to, you know, obliterate LGBTQIA plus people and erase history and erase progress. And we can't fucking let that happen. And you know how I feel here on this here podcast. Okay, it's pride all the time. So put your listening ears on and hopefully you might learn something. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. It's your host, Cammie Crawford. And today I am with a true queen, Miss Peppermint, who I was introduced to you when you were on season nine of RuPaul's Drag Race. And then you don't even know this, but we met once. (laughs) It was your show. Yes. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you. We met once. Who's there? (laughs) You can hear it. Yes. Hold on. It's my delivery. I'm sorry. Not the postmate. (laughs) That's the story of my life. What'd you get? Um, (laughs) Look at me being nosy. I'm like, I got some vitamins. Uh, (laughs) I I was expecting some grand sushi delivery or something. It's not even food. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> Anyways, again, welcome to the show. Thank you so Thank much you. for being here. We met, God, when was this? I think maybe 2016. You were performing in Times Square at like a Mac event, I believe. Yeah. Do you remember? I mean, I used to work for Mac and I did a whole bunch of stuff for Mac with, I did several performances in Times Square with like companies and stuff. So yes. I did something for Mac. I did something for T-Mobile. Were you also like, did you, were you just walking by? I what, think I was, was in, I was invited to the event, but then of course I had to stop and watch you perform because you are a true oh entertainer, period. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> And I mean, everything that you have done in your career and in your life so far, you're you're just a star. Like, clearly you're a star. So obviously you were a runner up on RuPaul's Drag Race season nine and you were the first out trans contestant to be casted on RuPaul's Drag Race and the first out trans woman to originate a lead role on Broadway. So you have just like led the firsts of many. But I want to know from you, how does that even feel? Feel to be the first? Well, you know, I've been asked that kind of question before. And to be fair, one of the things that's important with drag race, especially, but this applies to all the things we're talking about here, is that there are so many trans women on drag race in particular who did come before me. The, the difference, I believe, in my situation was I was already out living out and living, working, everything out as trans before coming to the show. Right. Other gals, I believe, some of them have come out since, like, once after the show, like, completely after. Some of them came out, obviously, in during the process of the show. And it's always really difficult to, to qualify because as an audience member, we don't know, are they coming out to us? Or are mm-hmm. they just coming out to themselves for the first time? And that's, you know, with reality TV, it's hard to tell what's going on. But... When I think about like the the first, it reminds me of how few opportunities there were for lots of marginalized folks, people of color, women, trans folks, queer folks. And then it also reminds me, it also lets me know that like we've been here for a long time, even though we weren't didn't have these opportunities or different things. And so even though I may have been out and one of the first out people to do something, it reminds me of like there were people who were who were like not out mm-hmm. who were there the whole time, and that just re- it reminds me of the importance of that conversation. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I've been a huge fan of Drag Race since the beginning. I don't think that there, except for this season, only because I have been too busy to be able to binge. I have oh, you watched, watched every single uh, th- yeah, just this one. Every single other season, including the international Girl, versions, I am tuned in. Period. You better time. take a day off and watch, honey, because these are this season. I've heard so, this winter season. Mm-hmm. I know. Oh, I know. I'm missing out because every time I log on Twitter, I'm reminded how much I'm missing out, and my DMs are <laughs> flooded. Like everyone's like, "Where's your commentary? Where are you?" And I'm like, "I, I can't even get into it right now." Okay, I'm very, very, very busy, but I should never be too busy for Drag Race. I, I need to put that as my first priority. <laughs> but I, I, I know exactly what you're saying when you're saying that. You know, there have been plenty of trans women that have been on the show. They just weren't quote unquote out. I want to know from you because, like, now we're quote unquote, winding down Pride Month, which for me, I feel mm-hmm. like Pride Month should be 
year round. <laughs> Same with Black History Month. It I'm feels like, like it is for me. That's yes, for sure. exactly. But the word out and like the idea of coming out, I don't even know who it was that I was speaking to recently or if I was even speaking to them. It could have been something that I was watching. But somebody who's a part of the community was saying that they didn't like the term coming out because it it kind of gives this like connotation of like pressure to do something versus a coming mm-hmm. in where I'm inviting you in to my reality and how mm-hmm. how I feel and, you know, my experience. How do you feel about mm-hmm. The idea of coming out. Do you feel like it's necessary? Do you feel like it's outdated? I do feel like I, I do certainly see a, a a use for it, obviously. And I really it, the idea I identify with the idea because I grew up with that thought that everyone was presumed to be heterosexual and cisgender, and that's just the default, which is still the case. For, you know, in most cases, that that's the presumption. But the feeling that people, I guess when I was younger, the thought of coming out, the flip side of that was being outed, mm-hmm. by, like involuntarily by someone else, by a newspaper or someone like that. And the whole thing is, I guess the thinking was that queer folks by just by nature were in hiding mm-hmm. and that when they were out in the open, then everybody knew but then they were susceptible to be obviously being victimized, to violence, to being discriminated against, losing their jobs, all of these things. And so there was a negative connotation to coming out or being out. And there was a pressure for sure. There always was. And so whatever your friend was saying, I, I do agree with that for sure. And it is interesting because now the whole notion of coming out really is about or should be for a lot of people, hopefully, on their own terms. At least when we hear people giving advice about who to come out when, what, do it on your own terms, make sure you have a, a, a loving environment, people, a circle of friends. And so that's really important. So that notion has started to change a little bit, that it can be completely in the control, within the control of the person who's who's doing it or who's deciding or thinking about it. But it does, it does, I think the term needs to change I do. Yeah. Yeah. It just, fe- I mean, I, I was talking to a family member about this recently because we were talking about a mutual friend's daughter who, you know, she's been exploring her sexuality. She's not sure yet. And I think that that's becoming more and more common, like especially with like the Gen Zers, which is what I fucking love about them is that they're like, I don't have to label anything. I could do whatever I want, actually. And I don't have to explain mm-hmm. anything to you about <laughs> what it is. And the rest of us are looking at them like, like in awe, but also I think a little bit, I don't, I don't know if there's like fear associated with it because, you know, for, for us, for like millennials and for Gen X or whatever, you know, from any, any generation before that, the idea is scary or has been scary in the past because of the connotations associated and the dangers, which I mean, there, there's still definitely that. I mean, we look at the amount of trans women that have been murdered over the past few years, which it's, it's alarming that it has not been announced and talked about more often, but they just live so freely and openly. And so, you know, this mutual friend of ours, she is dating and, and my family member was like, but can you believe she hasn't come out to her mom yet? And I was like, does she have to? 
And then it sparked a question of like, why does why do you have to? I didn't have to come out as straight. I never had to come out as straight. There was never a time when I had to announce to my family and all of my friends and to the internet and to strangers that I'm straight and cis. I feel like it should be a situation where we don't have to do it. But I also understand the empowering feeling of being able to claim, you know, exactly who you are and being able to announce that to the world proudly and openly. So I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's a double, there's two sides to to the coin. It is because on one hand, we want to be able to be free to just mind our own business. And I, and this is the thing that's so interesting of people who are oftentimes kind of falling on the, I think the wrong side of the argument or people who are, you know, naysayers of, of LGBTQ equality, often like you do what you want, mind your business. I don't really care. I just don't want to see it. Like that kind of a thing. So in that regard, I think it is important for people to be able to be out and like visible and be sort of counted and and recognized because since we're in this sort of transitional moment where we're still fighting for our rights and still mm-hmm. fighting for different things, it's important to know who, how many of us there are, not only for, so people can see that, yes, we do exist. Yes, we are everywhere. It's not just the hairdresser down the street, mm-hmm. you know, it's your cousin, it's your sisters, your family, whoever. But then also that we inspire young folks so that because if, if we if nobody talked about it, then the, then the people who are now saying, I don't need a label would never even know what else is happening. Right. Yeah, I, that's what I think. I do think it's, there's definitely a freedom in, in not needing to define oneself, but there certainly are probably more people who are desperately seeking representation and want to see themselves reflected back. You know, that's what I think. No, totally. And I think also we come from a a more privileged mindset of living in major metropolitan cities, being in New York, being in Los Angeles. Like, you know, for us, it's pride every time I go in West Hollywood. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> everywhere in New York. I mean, York, did the like, rainbow flags ever come down in West Hollywood? Never, no. never. Okay, the girls are outside of Mickey's <laughs> nightly, every year round. So we don't have to even worry. But for, you know, the little trans girls and little trans boys in random parts of the country who need to be able to see mm-hmm. that representation and need to be able to hear somebody bring into words how they have been feeling their entire lives, you know, or for the non-binary children who don't feel like they fit either one or feel like they Mm -hmm. fit them all. Like those children, especially the children, because we know that the youth are the most vulnerable and at risk with just everything that goes on. They need to be able to hear it and bring, bring into words how they have been feeling. I don't know if you, did you watch Disclosure? Laverne Cox's documentary. Did I watch Disclosure? In- yes, I watched Disclosure. Incredible. So if everyone listening, if you have not seen Disclosure, Laverne Cox EP'd this documentary in 2020 that mm-hmm. was so beautifully done. And it's it's about disclosure and disclosing yourself as a trans person in this country in particular. And the fact that, you know, you had mentioned like trans people are everywhere and have been since the beginning of time. Like, I don't want to go through (laughs) colonization and westernization and Christianity and how that even came into play and kind of 
not kind of completely ruined, ruined, obliterated, <laughs> deleted history of trans people who have existed for since the beginning of time. But the documentary basically brings to light, you know, where tra- where you have seen trans women without even knowing that you've seen trans women in the media and throughout the world, throughout history. But it also brought to light a really important conversation about disclosure and when to disclose and who do you have to disclose to. And like, I just wanted to get your take on that and how you feel, you know, even though it's 2022, like the dangers are still there. And and how do you how do you feel as a trans woman just existing in this country at this time? Unsafe, just like the way any I feel like most women probably feel just different points in our lives unsafe. I mean, sitting at home in my house right now, I feel relatively safe. But there are certain times, generally, pretty much anything that has to do with men. Mm. Mm. <laughs> here, here. My God. It's really <laughs> insane know? how I'm like, if they could only feel for a second the way that some of them make us feel on a regular basis, the level of the world uncomfortability. Would the world would change. They would never leave the house. Imagine if they walked out the door and we were just outside like, ooh, come on, hot shorts. Come here, hoochie daddy. Come over here. Come sit on my lap. Beep, beep. Ew. It's it's true. God. So yes, I do disclosing and and having that conversation, which is a very, that was like a really big topic for me and my girlfriends who are trans to talk about over many cups of tea mm-hmm. over the years. You know, when someone's dating somebody, oh, girl, oh, I'm dating this guy. Oh, well, did you, does he know? Did you talk? And there'd be different answers. Some some gals are like, you know, yes, I always say right up front, it's, you know, it's important. And then some girls are like, well, you know, it's not really their business mm-hmm. until I decide that we're going to have sex or unless we make this you know, decision together. Mm-hmm. And so it is really, it's an interesting conversation. Clearly, safety is a factor and plays into it. We know that many of these, the murders that you had mentioned are committed, unfortunately, perpetrated by our romantic partners, our intimate partners, our boyfriends, our lovers, which is like so, like, I it's, can't even wrap my brain around the person who's supposed to be loving me mm-hmm. and my partner and all of these things is the one who's going to kill me. Yeah. You know? And so that brings a whole nother sort of fear to the situation. Of course, I don't really know though, like what the answer is. I do think that living freely and just being able to be out and not really, what do you say? I don't know. Not really inhibited by anything and not feeling the pressure to have to come out is important, but also at the same time, Wanting to be able to connect with community mm. is super important. And I think at the end of the day, what's what the key is, is everyone, all of us, becoming really comfortable and okay with, comfortable, used to us all normalizing non-binary identities mm-hmm. and pansexuality, which kind of, they, they aren't necessarily linked hand in hand, but these are two descriptors of human behavior that are outside of the box that aren't in one or the other. And I think that's really important. This way people can feel free sexually and they can also feel free in terms of their gender identity. Yeah. Yeah. There's just so much, 
people just always want to be able to put other people in a box. And whenever what you are or what you represent steps outside of that box, it's too, it's too it much. It ruffles some feathers. It's, it ruffles some feathers because <laughs> the reality is, and if you're listening and, and you're, you're listening to this conversation and you're like, ah, this makes me uncomfortable. I think you need to tap into why it makes you uncomfortable. I think it makes you uncomfortable because you're not fully tapped into yourself. Because when you are fully aware of yourself, what other people are doing around you and living freely and living in their authenticity will not bother you. When you are living authentically, watching somebody else live authentically, you will only celebrate that. Like it's usually when you have some level of insecurity or uncertainty surrounding you and your sexuality and your self-identity that when you see someone else who's a part of the queer community living so outwardly and proudly, you're like, oh, (laughs) wait a minute. It's the truth. It's true. Yeah, because then I think that they feel like, oh gosh, if they're free, then that means I'm going to have to if, examine what's going on with me. Mm-hmm. Like it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then others are going to be looking at me. So let's keep the focus on them. Keep them confined. Yep. Keep everybody confined. And then nobody has to know what anybody else is thinking or doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you don't even have to start diving into your own personal journey because mm-hmm. you're too busy checking for everybody else. You're not living free. <laughs> And everybody else wants you to be able to come out and live freely with them. Like, the girls would love to have you That's at the Pride Parade. That's everybody wants. But you've got too much hateration in your dancery, and they're not going to have you around. Because you're a hater. <laughs> Mary! <laughs> <laughs> and that's that. Like, to me, it's just so simple. But like I said, we come from major metropolitan areas. And there are a lot of people in these small little towns, you know, represented by these local governments who, quote unquote, have their state's rights control to mandate Mm -hmm. and change and make life difficult for children and for people who are just trying to live authentically. It bothers me so much, but I think it bothers me more so because I feel like advocacy is so important and allyship is so important. And you know, I heard a, f- a few years ago, you know, when we were talking about allyship as it pertained to Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. and, you know, Black Lives Matter in combination with LGBTQIA plus rights, because they are they're intersected, uh, <laughs> very much intersected. <laughs> I heard, you know, that allyship is not something that you can claim. It has to be bestowed upon you. From the community has to say, you are an ally to us. We appreciate your work. You are. But to me, allyship is also an active act, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's an active. You have to actively participate in allyship. How do you want to be advocated for by people who are trying to become allies? You know, that's a really good question. I think I'm I was thinking about that earlier. And I think that. One way is I would love for people to speak specifically with regards to the trans community, but queer people in general. I would love for people who are, who are outside of the community to speak lovingly about and include whenever possible queer folks, trans folks into their, into their everyday lives. 
when they're with their families in places where they don't see any of this diversity or inclusion, bring some aspect of it in. You know, whether it's a story, whether it's a friend, whether it's someone who, oh, I think we would all enjoy this. Let's invite you, even at your family, maybe getting your family to to engage in some way in in this notion so that it's not just you and your friends who are with it that are dealing with talking about this or and you know i think that's one way that's i think is kind of easy or at least the approach to it the 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 notion of it is probably easy for people to get that concept oh i'll just include it in my everyday and one of the things that i think is really important that might take some heat over this that there are certain circles of folks cis women cis hetero women, not all, but certain circles of cis hetero women, when it comes to sexuality and when it comes to heterosexuality and the men, their partners, there seems to be a certain amount of comparison or shame or shade or some combination of all of that. When talking about trans women, when they're alone, I've heard from cis men, from cis hetero men, that their ex-girlfriends or whoever have been really shady about the fact that they now date trans women and calling them gay or things like that. Or there's just certain avenues of communication that some cis women have control over that men are the recipient of. A mother talking to her son, the the aunties and the, and the, the little boys that are are hearing the aunties, just different situations like that. A guy's girlfriend and and her best friend, a girl and her best friend talking about a trans woman that the guy can hear. And all of these things, I think, help perpetuate transphobia in the men. I'm not saying it's their fault because men are the number one perpetrators of misogyny and homophobia and transphobia, number one. But I think women as victims of misogyny and transphobia and homophobia of all these types of, you know, anti, essentially it's just anti-female sentiments yes. in a different shade, I think. Yes. Women as the, as the recipients of that and people who experience that, I think sometimes uphold the patriarchy, mm-hmm. sometimes. One of the examples of that is there's a certain children's book author whose name I will not mention who is very anti-trans on her Twitter these days. And she seems to always mention all these things with a dose of, I'm a feminist. I'm doing this for feminism. And that's all well and good to hear that. But it seems like just lip service when we don't hear you saying anything about Roe v. Wade, when we don't hear you saying anything about dismantling white supremacy when it comes to just dismantling white supremacy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Period. <laughs> yes. Where are you in that conversation? Yes. Because I believe that misogyny, as you said, as we said, these things are all related. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I know a, a chauvinist or a misogynist who's not also a little bit racist. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so <laughs> yes, these things are also connected. And so with that children's book author, what she's doing just seems so disingenuous. I believe she's actually transphobic and only focused on the trans community, but she's doing it with this. She's saying that she's got this whole 
care and love for feminism, but where is she in all these other moments mm-hmm. when when women and anyone who's affected by feminism, which is the entire population, need her to speak up? Mm-hmm. I think she's doing a bad job of being a feminist. Mm. Mic drop. I know I kind of changed the subject <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Listen, you had to get that shit off, and I'm glad you did, because it's true. <laughs> because it's true, because it applies. But, I mean, even going back to what you were saying about how cis het women. So if you don't know what cisgendered means for anyone listening, cisgendered means you were assigned female at birth or assigned male at birth, whatever you were assigned at birth. If it still applies to you, the gender that you were assigned at birth. So for me, for example, I'm a cisgendered woman. I was assigned female at birth. I still subscribe to that most days. (laughs) So that's me. But heterosexual, I think we all know what that means. It means that you are attracted to the opposite sex, quote unquote, than yours. Mm -hmm. So But I have noticed a lot of cisgendered heterosexual women who do make comments about trans people and make comments about gay people and queer people just in general, negative comments in front of cishet men. And I also notice a lot of cishet women that will sit around cishet men degrading and making homophobic and transphobic comments. And allow it. And allow it. Anybody who comes near me knows that that shit is not happening. Like, literally, somebody will say something. <laughs> I have a group of guy friends, okay? Slowly but surely, I'm trying, I'm chipping away at them <laughs> every chance that I get. But Do like, the work, girl. Do the work. Somebody Edit. will say a comment, and you'll hear one of them go, oh, shit, don't get Cammy started. <laughs> don't make her come out with her allyship. I'm like, listen, I just, I'm just stating the facts, and I'm just correcting where there needs to be correction. You're not going to make those kinds of comments in front of me. And I think that especially for the women listening to this podcast, you know, if you are trying to become an ally, if I see you at every pride parade over the past mm-hmm. you know, whole month of June, if you are so quick to whip out your, you know, rainbow pool floaties to be able to have a, a pride party at your house mm-hmm. for your gay hairdresser. I want to make sure that when your boyfriend is talking shit about queer people, you are standing up and saying about. something about mm-hmm. that. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you can just save it. <laughs> you can no, just ma'am. save it. No, ma'am. Because nobody <laughs> needs it. And you have to like you have to be very conscious about it. And that's why I say that allyship is an active thing. You have to actively participate in it. You have to do it every single time. If if you are at a gas station and you hear somebody making a comment, if it doesn't affect your immediate safety, stand up for somebody the same way you would stand up for anybody else who's being discriminated against, you know, I just I just feel I feel like the cisgendered heterosexual community in general has Mm -hmm. so much more work to do if they want to even consider if we even want to consider ourselves allies. I didn't start calling myself an ally until I was told numerous times that I could (laughs) because of the way that I but the way that I, I choose to educate myself like it's a it's a it's a cho- like it's a choice you have to make the conscious effort to do these things and to do the work and to stand and up ongoing, when you can. I think. yes yes it's absolutely ongoing and it you have to keep going because look at how much in the world is changing every single day and the way that the attack the attack is on women the attack is on femininity like that is the attack so if we are if we are supporting that and trying to uplift and uphold this, 
then everything else will will fall into place as well. Or it should like you should be advocating for all of it at the same time. One hundred percent. And that's the thing that just doesn't make sense to me is that if we can be as feminists, second and third, maybe fourth wave feminists on board with the notion that that the patriarchy is poisonous, Mm -hmm. essentially, to everyone, then why is it that there are certain feminists? (laughs) Children's book authors. (laughs) Yeah, children's book authors that are, and that's a certain brand of feminism, Mm -hmm. quote unquote feminism. I just, it's so bizarre to me that that you, that you don't see making fun of trans women and calling trans women men, calling, and then comparing the body type, size, height of a trans woman, calling that masculine, how you don't remember that not that long ago and still happening, white folks were doing that about black women. Michelle Obama, uh, Serena Williams, um, Sierra. Every single exactly. black woman that they're there. Oh, it is all it is all connected. It is all it's so connected. connected. If you don't see that, then what then then I then I can't. Yeah, then I can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> then you're done. That's how I feel. That's exactly how I feel. Well, okay, so I know we you are a very busy woman because you have a tour coming up the whole month of July. It's true. Tell us about that. Well, I was in a relationship. Okay. Me too. And wah, hello. Wah, wah. That's wah, wah. and you know, I'll I'll be fair. Like we broke up. Spoiler surprise. But we but it was one of the best relationships I'd ever been in up to that point. Mm. And there was love. It was, and this is something d- very different. Like for me, we were. It was like very public. Not not on the internet. I was like, I don't play that. But uh-huh. it was public in terms of we would go out. Every hold hands and there's that's a very low bar, but believe it or not, especially with a lot of trans women, secrecy around the relationship is a big thing, is a big issue. Especially this is like the next page of that whole disclosure, Mm. whether when and how to disclose piece. Then once your partner, once you've had your conversation with your partner or your date or whatever about you being trans, then. There's other conversations that happen about surgeries. What have you had? What have you had? And then, okay, now that we're both on the same page, now who else are we going to tell? Mm-hmm. Am I going to just keep you here in the dark in this room? Or are we going to go out to eat? And so I've had all different types of those relationships and conversations. But this one was a really good one. We were in love. I felt just, I just felt the best I'd ever felt. And then it ended and it was terrible. Mm. But I ended up writing all my feelings about this relationship. And it ended up being three EPs worth of music, songs, basically about the beginning, the middle, and the end of the relationship. Wow. And so I named them three different album titles. It's the Letters to My Lovers series, A Girl Like Me, Moment of Weakness, and Validation, which comes out next year. And the first two are out now. And so I'm going on tour since we're finally out of the pandemic, going on tour for my first ever solo tour to perform the music for everyone. And there's songs like Best Sex, which is all about like, you don't have a lot to offer, but you have the best, you know what, in town. There's a lot of Um, those, pal. Lord (laughs) have mercy. Shout out to you. Shout out to all of you. You You ain't got shit. 
Um, but a hard dick and headache, and I love you for it. So thank you. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, why did I call it? Then there's another one called Moment of Weakness, which is basically about the first time you see your ex after you've broken up. Like, what's going to happen? Mm, that happened to me last you know. weekend. <laughs> I need to, I'm going to be front row. I'm going to be front row at every show. <laughs> With the lyrics in so my hand, the, like a prayer, girl, like a prayer like you wrote them yourself. <laughs> Lord have mercy. So I want to invite everybody to come out to the show. I'm touring the entire United States and by the entire United States, I mean some cities on the East Coast, some cities on the West Coast and Chicago. And everybody's invited. Yes. <laughs> Tell everybody where can they get tickets? Where can they find you? Like they, we, we want to keep up with you. Ow, on my social media, peppermintonline.com is my website slash events. That's the ticket link, peppermintonline.com slash events. You can get tickets there. You just click the link in my bio on my, on my Instagram or social media, which is peppermint247 on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. Perfect. Thank you so much, Peppermint. This was so, I feel like I could talk to you for hours. There is so much more to be said. I feel like I had to condense everything. Girl, we're gonna have to, yeah, we have to have part two, girl. Yes, after the tour. <laughs> after I recover from the tour and all the, yes, the music ma'am. selections that so directly relate to my life. What are you trying to do to me? Girl, I don't know. I can't. I'm trying to set us all free. Yes, you're right. It's the healing. The healing is beginning here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. You can catch a new episode of Relationship every single Friday. Make sure you hit that follow button so you don't miss any of the action. And I want to hear from you. So please, if you love the show, leave us a review. But by review, you know I only need five stars only. And let us know what you think. Make sure you follow us on socials at Relationship on Instagram and at Relationship Pod on Twitter. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye, bestie.